The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. Standard of Paranormal Radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, as our listeners know, Facebook doesn't like us. Facebook doesn't like the Paracast.com nor Tim's site, ConspiracyJournal.com. Don't understand why you can't, of course, contact Facebook unless you're a very large corporation. Then maybe they'll listen to you, but that's how things go. Skype may not like Tim because we tried to call Tim to bring him in on the conversation for this week's episode featuring Mark Gober. And guess what? He didn't hear it. Tim, do you think that maybe Microsoft doesn't like you? <laughs> I think that it's actually the worldwide AI that secretly controls us. Some, for some reason, it's it's got a hair for me. And it's instructing everything, Facebook, Skype, what have you, to uh, just, just mess with me. Well, the thing about a worldwide AI is it's a theory that some people consider very seriously. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Skynet. Like they predicted in, uh, oh gosh, what was it? Uh, James Cameron's movie <laughs> with Arnold. <laughs> About the Terminator. The Terminator, yes, that's right. The, the Skynet just has it in for me. Well, the thing is here, I have a right to do that because my paternal grandfather was born in Austria. So therefore, I am slightly <laughs> Austrian in my background, therefore I have a right to do that. Mark, what do you think about all this? Do you think that we're controlled by some kind of artificial intelligence? Mm. I wish I knew. I'm still trying to figure out who we are and what we're doing here, but I'm open to possibilities. Well, I just hope the people who put us here know what they're doing. <laughs> but I'm interested in these books of yours, and maybe we can get to the background of how you came to write them. You have... It says here, four books using the term upside down. Now, of course, when we hear upside down, we think of the alternate universe in the TV show Stranger Things. But where do you come out with the term upside down? For what purpose? Well, I didn't realize when I first started writing books that, first of all, I didn't know I'd write multiple books. So it started with my first one called An End to Upside Down Thinking, and it refers to the way that the mainstream scientific community thinks about consciousness. And in short, mainstream science says that the universe is fundamentally made out of matter and consciousness emerges later through a, a physical brain. That's what I regard as upside down thinking. So the reverse of that is that consciousness is in some way primary, more fundamental than matter. And I've just continued that upside down theme for various topics that are still related to that initial idea. 
So are you positing a universal consciousness of some sort here? Something like that. That's where I come out as a general framework. It's probably much more complex than most humans could even uh, conceive. But I think a lot of the data, especially in parapsychology and related areas, is supported by a metaphysics in which consciousness is fundamental. Let's go into your background, Mark. How did you start in this direction? Where did you come up with the idea of writing books on this subject? What's your background? Well, it was very much unexpected. I went to Princeton for undergrad, had just a mainstream worldview, uh, went into investment banking in 2008. So I was there during the financial crisis in New York from 2008 to 2010. Wasn't thinking about consciousness at that point. Then I joined a firm first in Boston and then in Silicon Valley, where I became a partner doing somewhat similar work to what I was doing in New York, advising companies, uh, particularly in the technology industry, focused on their innovations and deals that they were doing around their patent portfolios. While I was in Silicon Valley, I started listening to podcasts. This was back in 2016 and came across paranormal phenomena inadvertently. At first, I was just listening to business podcasts and then some alternative health shows. And the topic of psychic phenomena, spirits, and things like that came up. And I was at first just intrigued because I never thought about those things in a serious way. And I would have considered myself either agnostic or atheist at the time. I thought life was random and meaningless. And that's what I was being taught. That's what the mainstream perspective seemed to be. And that's what I believed to be true. So I was confronted with evidence that was contradicting my worldview. And long story short, I've been trying to figure out what's going on ever since. And that's what's been propelling me to write books and talk about these topics. When you were involved in investment banking, were you at all connected with any of the companies we all know about? I was at a company called UBS in New York. So it's a very large global investment bank. And the group I was in there was responsible for advising other financial institutions. So banks, insurance companies, asset managers. So we dealt with all the big financial companies all over the world. And then when I went into the tech industry, we worked across many different industries, basically any company that had innovations, which spans everything. And some of the companies were smaller that you might not have heard of, and others are brand names. Are you allowed to say the brand names? No, most of the client engagements are confidential, unfortunately, but companies that everyone's heard of. Well, my late brother Wally was an investment banker specializing in the healthcare industry. Genome research was their specialty, and this was pretty active before he died in 1995. But it's interesting here that when people talk about big pharma, I said, yeah, my brother was big pharma, and look what happened to him. Oh, well. Let's get back into this thing here. So somebody involved in the numbers game, financial stuff, is now talking about the paranormal, psychic phenomena, the weird, unknown. Interesting change of life, isn't it? That's a big change. But I was confronted with what I considered to be too much evidence to dismiss it. I couldn't dismiss all of the different pieces I was coming across. So I felt like I was forced to reconsider my worldview. And as I looked into it more closely, I realized that the conventional paradigm is very much flawed. Was there an X factor, a euphoria moment where you said, aha, this is it. This is what shows me there's something else going on. Yeah, that's a great question. For me, it was much more gradual. So I didn't have a near-death experience or, or an enlightenment meditation experience. Although I did, when I first found out about some of the science, I spoke with various psychics 
who were able to do things and they knew things that I couldn't explain. Not all the time, but there were certain instances. And so that was some, that was remarkable for me. And also I started to have lots of synchronicities where things were happening, which if I tried to run the numbers in my head, it didn't seem like it could possibly be random. And when I combined that with the information I was learning about, this whole other world opened up and it was this gradual process. You talk about uh, uh, synchronicity, and uh, I've heard a lot of people um, throughout the <laughs> throughout the years that it's it's events like that that really start to open their eyes to the idea that there may be more to this universe than uh, the the material world presents uh, to us. Can you give us some uh, examples of of uh, um, synchronicity that you had that that really helped uh, you know pull you along and open your eyes sure well there were so many at one point that i was taking notes of them in my phone because it was just remarkable to me but one that stands out is i ran into someone from college that i hadn't seen in years and i was telling him about a podcast i had started on these same topics it's called where is my mind and he says where is my mind that's the name of the song that i walked down the aisle uh, at my wedding too so things like that were just very strange the fact that i even ran into him was weird and then we had this common thing like that was happening what, all the time what <laughs> strikes me as interesting is that song picking that song to play when he's walking down the aisle <laughs> is that the kind of a weird marriage i don't know <laughs> i wasn't there but it's it's just it's weird on many levels that that happened just that choice i have to get this guy on the show and say okay of all the great songs one would choose for one's wedding why that one hmm. yeah and is he still married to the same person i have not seen him since then that explains a lot doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> all right mark gober is joining us we're talking about upside down and of course we'll start with his upside down thinking and go from there with Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz, you're in The Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, the Paracast dot plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast dot plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. 
and I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, Mark. Upside-down thinking. And we've got to end that. So let's talk about that. We'll start with the first book and we'll get into the stuff that relates more to UFOs. But before we do that, have you had any experiences with some sort of paranormal phenomena that also led you on this path? No. So I have never encountered any entities that I'm aware of, at least, because I know there is there are cases of missing time. So it's possible that their memories I don't have access to, I guess. But I nothing that I'm consciously aware of. I, the closest thing I would say to something paranormal is is speaking to people who channel 
entities from other dimensions, allegedly, where their whole personality changes, the words they use, the cadence changes. And so I, I know people that do that and have been with them face to face while they're channeling. Other than that, nothing that I can really think of. Do you have any feeling about what's going on with them there? Are they truly connecting with some kind of other force or are they just kind of making it up or what? Well, there's actually some research on this conducted at the Institute of Noetic Sciences, where I'm a board member. So I, I know the scientists involved in the studies and their conclusion is that there are some legitimate channelers who are not exhibiting the, the same symptoms as uh, someone who's mentally ill. And in some cases, again, some of these are preliminary studies, there is a psychokinetic effect, meaning that while the person's channeling, the behavior of random number generator machines in the room start to change. They behave non-randomly while the person's channeling, which is suggestive of something happening as well. Well, it sounds like sometimes when you have UFO sightings, electronic gear starts to act screwy. Yes, that's right. And, and interestingly, that also happens to people after they have a near-death experience. So there seems to be this parallel when people enter this other dimension of consciousness, whether it's UFO experience or otherwise, where there's a physiological change. Talking about the uh, um, random number generators, I, uh, I've, I seem to remember, gosh, when, uh, when was it? It may have been after 9-11 or, or, or even some instances closer you know in, in in time to that but you know it, it, it made the news that uh, a uh, some place who had random number generators scattered throughout the uh, the world and uh, was keeping tabs on them indicated that after major worldwide events that there was a uh, um, an, an uptick of numbers being generated uh, with these different machines that seem to uh, show some kind of outside uh, influence. I think one of the other events was the, uh, the death of uh, Princess Diana. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you would bring that up, and a lot of people don't, you know, really quite understand the science behind the random number generators. You know, I, I, I know I'm not quite sure myself. Yeah, that's a great point, Tim. So what you're describing is known as the Global Consciousness Project, and it's essentially a spin-out of a lab at Princeton University run by the former dean of engineering, Dr. Robert John, and now it's run by Dr. Roger Nelson, where these machines are set up all over the world, and the scientists look at the behavior of the machines. So generally, they're, they're spitting out zeros and ones in a completely random fashion. So over time, you expect 50% ones and 50% zeros. But what they found is that around major global events, when people around the world seem to have a strong emotion in a similar direction, the machines, which most people don't even know exist, which are generating these numbers all the time, they start to behave statistically non-randomly, meaning it's slightly more than 50% for one of the numbers and less for the other, um, it's a tiny effect, meaning it's it's not like it's 70% versus 30%. It's, it's still around 50%, but statistically, it's highly significant, which indicates that something beyond chance is occurring. The other area of study around this effect is also done where a person who's not claiming to have any special psychic abilities is asked to try to mentally influence the machine. So in the studies, they might say, Tim, I want you to try to make the machine generate more ones than zeros using your mind alone. 
And what the scientists have found is that people are able to do that. Uh, again, it's a small effect, but it's highly statistically significant. I seem to remember that uh, uh, there were some laboratories testing individuals, say like Yuri Geller, mm -hmm. into trying to influence, say, the role of dice or, 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 or coins or, or, or something like that. And, you know, what do mainstream, what does mainstream science have to say about, you know, these kind of experiments? As you said, you know, it, it seems to be statistically uh, different than just uh, uh, random events. But, of course, mainstream science has a very materialistic look on our reality. So, I mean, do they continue to insist that, yes, it's just it's within the realms of probability? Well, mainstream science does not uh, look kindly upon this sort of stuff. And um, many scientists who want to study these topics tend to leave academia or they become involved publicly after they have tenure because there's such a taboo around it. And even some of the scientific journals, this is what scientists have told me, is that they will sometimes reject papers if they have to do with psychic abilities on the basis of the subject matter alone, not because the studies are conducted poorly, but just because the, the journals don't want to have anything to do with it. So there are definite, definite headwinds in this area. Uh, however, there have been some studies published in mainstream journals, which, I, which gives me hope that there's some movement. One that I often reference is a 2018 paper in American Psychologist, which is the official uh, peer-reviewed academic journal of the American Psychological Association. So basically as mainstream as you can get. And they allowed the publication of a meta-analysis, meaning an analysis of many studies showing that there is a statistical effect not only for psychokinesis, which is mind impacting matter, but also things like telepathy, mind-to-mind -mind communication, which is uh, precognition, knowing or sensing the future before it happens, and also remote viewing, which is being able to perceive something with the mind while not being there physically. So there, there are some people that are starting to catch on to this. The same thing almost seems to be happening with UFOs, where there appears to be more scientific interest in the possibilities. I agree with that. And also there's more mainstream media acceptance or at least discussion around these topics. And I think that the New York Times uh, revelation in December of 2017 with the, the Tic Tac UFOs, that helped to make these things a little bit more mainstream where you can, you can at least discuss the topics without being thought of as crazy, even though I, I feel like the disclosure has been pretty minimal so far. Well, so far, all we know is that there are things being seen, but so far, although I appear that I think it's going to change, so far, the emphasis is on the military sightings. They right. still kind of ignore decades of civilian and military UFOs around the world, and maybe they're beginning to pick up on that. It's also interesting, even though they say that they don't have evidence that UFOs are off-world, or UAPs, if you wish to use that term, we do see that NASA <laughs> has a group that's investigating the subject, and if they're not extraterrestrial, what would NASA have to do with it? Because that's the space agency. Curious and curious and curiouser. <laughs> We're talking to Mark Gober, his books on upside-down thinking, and we've got more to come with Gene and Tim. You're in. The Paracast. listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
If you're like most Americans, you can see things are out of control. Global problems have local consequences, too many of them. And if the next news headline spins us into chaos, you'd better be ready. Grocery store supply chains are only as strong as their weakest link. Don't wait for them to break. Today's the day to secure emergency food for everyone in your family. My Patriot Supply is America's largest preparedness company. Our specially packaged and delicious food stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. It'll be there when you need it. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and pick up several emergency food kits. There are a dozen different sizes that average over 2,000 calories per day. As we all know, calories equals energy equals survival. And as you'd expect from a true preparedness company, our food kits are in stock and ship quickly. Those who know what's coming are preparing today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. USA News Update. A new year is upon us. Celebrations across the world and country, led by Times Square, where a million people braved the rain to watch the iconic ball drop. North Korea is announcing it will exponentially increase its production of nuclear warheads. On Saturday, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un promised to build more powerful intercontinental ballistic missiles and begin the mass production of nuclear warheads. The Foo Fighters are confirming they will continue making music following the death of drummer Taylor Hawkins in March. In a post across social media, the band said that as they say goodbye to the most difficult and tragic year that the band has ever known, they are reminded how thankful they are for people they love and cherish most. Avatar The Way of Water is expected to pull in another $90 million during the long weekend and become the second highest grossing domestic film of the year. Jerry Barmash, USA News. What if people always acted the same way they do when they're driving their cars? Good morning, Mrs. Blanchard. How may I help you? I'd like to cash this check. Sure. I'll just get my pen Come here on, and... lady. Get a move oh, on. Goodness. Where'd you learn to bank anyway? Oh. Whoa. Don't you give me that look. It sure wouldn't be a very friendly place. What kind of candy do you want, sweetie? This. No, no, no. This. Pick something already. Come on, honey. We're holding people up. How about this kind? No. What is the matter with you people? If you're not going to do something, I am. Get out of my way. <laughs> Every day, drivers and their families all across the country are killed on the roadways because of road rage. Was it a beautiful wedding? Oh, yes, and they make such a lovely couple. Excuse me, is this the receiving line? Yes, it is. Hey, he cut in line. I'm a friend of the bride. Do you know the hey, now, you cut in line. Buzz off. Oh, yeah? He hit that nice man. That'll teach you to cut in line, you jerk. Stop the senselessness of road rage. It's time we all drive with the same courtesy we extend to people in the rest of our lives. A message from the AAA Foundation for Traffic Safety. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. 
This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So, Mark, what's your perception of all that, the big changes in the government, the consideration by NASA of UFOs? Well, in some ways, I think it's a very positive change, the fact that we can now at least discuss the topic without being thought of as totally crazy. But in other ways, it it feels like it's a controlled drip of information. And just having researched it myself without having had direct experience, it seems like there's so much more that's not being talked about. So, for example, we hear a lot about the crafts that are seen by, by military, like you said, but we don't hear as much about who might be operating the crafts, what kinds of intelligences they are, and why they're here, and what their interaction is with our civilization. So that part of it, which to me is the really important part, is not being discussed as much. Well, of course, when you say that, there would have to be an admission that there is an unknown resource or source for these UFOs and that we have pilots who are not of this earth. For otherwise, why would you care? Exactly. And that, I think, would be such a paradigm shift for people. Maybe it's too much for many to handle. I want to go back just a a little bit. We were talking about uh, um, mainstream science and uh, this whole idea within science and and you know you have to understand i mean i'm i'm a big proponent of 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 scientific uh, uh, thinking however i do have to disagree with this scenario that has developed over the centuries that there basically is just the material world that you know your your brain is just a chemical computer and that nothing else exists um beyond that i mean can you get in a little bit on you know on how this type of thinking ever began and and why it became you know the establishment so to speak yeah this is really central to all of my books really and and what i'm trying to figure out myself but this this idea the, the mainstream paradigm which says that our consciousness, that is our sense of experiencing our inner awareness, that that comes from a physical brain. And the reason that neuroscientists believe this to be true is that we can find very tight correlations between what happens to the brain and the type of conscious experience that a person has. So for example, let's say the part of the brain responsible for vision becomes damaged, the person might have a change in his or her eyesight. So there's a correlation between what you do to the brain and what happens to the person's consciousness. However, the the leap that is often made is that, well, because there is this relationship that's very close and well-established, it must mean that the brain produces or causes consciousness. And in statistics, the fallacy is known as uh, correlation does not imply causation. And what do I mean by that? Just because the brain's related to consciousness doesn't mean that the brain produces it. There could be another relationship. And where I land on this based on lots of evidence that's out there is that the brain is more like an antenna receiver or a filtering mechanism. Some might even call it like a blindfold where there's a much broader reality and our body and our brain only perceives a a tiny sliver of that. And the brain actually gets in the way in some capacity. So this to me is really the upside down notion because it starts to put into question the very notion of human identity. This idea that I'm describing where consciousness is not produced by the brain uh, suggests that the body is like a vessel or a vehicle 
for something that's beyond the body rather than the, the mainstream perspective, which is that the brain produces consciousness, our body is everything, and when the brain shuts off, that's the end of your consciousness. There's no life after death. That's not possible. Reincarnation is impossible. And psychic phenomena, which is consciousness non-local to the brain, that's paranormal, that's superstition. And so uh, this notion of the brain and consciousness connection is fundamental to the way we look at the world in so many ways. What well, also implies, I guess, from what you're saying, that the brain may primarily be a receiver and a transmitter, a transceiver, transmitting yeah. information to a universal consciousness with which it's on a certain channel or it has a certain individuality. This is channel 57 billion, and that's you. Yeah, that's a great point the brain is picking something up and able to transmit to other places. That's, that's where I kind of come out. And there's a, a, a relatively new book out called The Science of Channeling by Helene Wabe, who's the director of research at the Institute of Noetic Sciences, where she talks about this notion that even if you're not a professional channeler, let's say where the, this, the spirit entity completely takes over the body, it, it's possible that our thoughts are being impacted in ways that we don't realize, because if the brain is this receiver transmitter, how do we know where our thoughts come from? We can't actually point to it. And think about a creative idea, for example, an idea that just comes out of nowhere, this insight. We don't really understand how that works. And if the brain is picking up signals from elsewhere, maybe there's an influence that we don't see with our eyes. I wonder if the scientific establishment's uh, materialistic viewpoint may have at least uh, partially stemmed from the uh, uh, from the times when um, religious dogma really kept tried to keep scientific thinking uh, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say on the down low <laughs> but you know tried to tried to keep it down and you know I mean and if the if scientific uh, thinking went against you know, religious establishments, then, you know, people would find themselves being persecuted. And, you know, so now it's almost like we've come to the uh, the other extreme, where uh, uh, rather than, than looking at, at, at life and, and reality as it's kind of a you know combination of all of the above. Now it's swung to you know it's 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 material only, and nothing else. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like the pendulum swung too far, mm -hmm. where you need to have this controlled, double-blind study set up, and if you don't have that, then the the data isn't worthwhile. So one of the counter arguments to many of these phenomena, especially the ones that are not statistical in nature, is well, that's just an anecdote. Uh, but so it's like people won't accept it unless they can control every variable because they want to have the hardcore data. And to me, science and religion are both trying to get at probably the same thing, which is understanding the nature of reality. And they use different methods. And I think there's a place for both. Oh, yeah, the uh, <laughs> the psychic and parallel uh, paranormal phenomena really does refuse to allow itself to be pinned down in a laboratory. That's one of the frustrating things about studying the phenomena is that you know you can't repeat it time and time again in a laboratory. 
And, you know, I, I can see why a lot of scientists would throw up their hands and, and just declare, well, there's nothing to it. Like you said, you know, it's all just anecdotal. You know, we can't get the same results in our laboratory time and again. And, you know, it's uh, there's still no easy answer for that. Yeah. Well, I think there is repeatability with regard to the statistical effects, but they're not dramatic. So they don't really win as much because people can't see them. You have to run numbers. The, the dramatic psychic phenomena are very much ephemeral and they're hard to capture. Um, I think there's also sometimes a misconception about psychic abilities and other quote unquote paranormal phenomena, which is that in order for them to be real, you need to have 100 percent accuracy. And that's not the case. Really, there needs to be something that's beyond what chance would predict. And so, like, it's easy for someone to say, well, this person failed at a psychic ability one time, therefore, it's all fraudulent. And then that's the end of it. It's not worth studying. However, there were, I, I think, really impressive studies done within the U.S. government, starting in the 1970s on remote viewing for psychic spying. And Uri Geller was one of the people involved there, but many others. It was run by uh, Hal Putoff and Russell Targ. And much of this has been declassified where the internal documents say remote viewing is a real phenomenon. The implications are revolutionary. They even describe some of the protocols they used with Uri Geller when they locked him in a shielded room effectively and asked him to remote view things with his mind. So there are people that, almost like in basketball, anyone can dribble a basketball, but not everyone is going to be LeBron James or Michael Mm -hmm. Jordan. We've got more to talk about here with Mark and Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Who listens to radio at night? EMTs, truck drivers, law enforcement, and many other hardworking people just like you, buying products and services from companies just like yours. Many companies owe their success to radio. It's the engaging medium. Call 877-996-4327 or email advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. 
com. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe 25000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is a perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need 25000 50000 or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-721-2477. 800-721-2477. That's 800-721-2477. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Mark Gober joining us, talking about testing people like Uri Geller, getting better than chance. I remind myself about the scene from the beginning of Ghostbusters. If you remember that, Bill Murray is administering a test. Of course, he fakes the results because he wants to get it on with the girl who's taking the test. But the point being here, I think, is with remote viewing, the concern that I've read about, I've heard about, is that yeah, it seems to work, but it's not reliable enough. Do you have that perception, Mark? I have definitely heard that argument. Um, so for my podcast, again, it's called Where Is My Mind? I interviewed Russell Targ, who was involved in the program himself, and his conclusion was that it was useful, and the government spent roughly $25 million over around two decades. And he said they, don't, they wouldn't just do that unless there was some use. One of the cases that people often reference is there was a, a lost bomber. It was a Russian bomber, I believe. It was in an African jungle, and they couldn't find it with the radar system. And apparently remote viewers were used to find this thing where no one knew where it was. And former U.S. President Jimmy Carter confirmed that this happened. So there are some cases out there that are pretty remarkable and hard to explain. I think the question would be then, is it trainable? Can you train somebody... I guess they have to have some abilities, we assume. Train somebody to be a reliable remote viewer so all or most of the perceptions they received can be used as a basis for intelligence. 
So my understanding from talking to Russell Targ is that he trains people, that anyone can do this. Some might be better than others naturally. Also, I spoke with John Vivanco, who's been involved in some high-profile remote viewing, and he's able to train groups. I ha it's not something I've pursued myself, but people who have been involved claim that it is doable. One of the challenges, however, is that it's there is a lot of abstraction to it. People sit there in a meditative state and images come into their mind or thoughts come in. And the goal, as so I'm told, is to just document what those things are without judging it. But still, these are human beings, so the thought process can get in the way. The so-called monkey mind, which can uh, interrupt the signal, so to speak, which can lead to imperfect results. So it takes someone with a lot of discipline to be able to just get the information, however it is. And another thing that I wonder about is... We're dealing with a perception of something that's far away in space and time using just a human vessel. Is there something naturally lost in, transla in translation because of what the human being is? Like, is it, is it possible that we're incapable of being fully perfect in this regard? Well, that's true, I think, about anything. Even a genius doesn't always come out with something that's perfect every time. Uh, there was an interview with Paul McCartney, for example, and someone was suggesting, you know, I've been practicing guitar for years. How do you become like a Jimi Hendrix? And he says, well, of course, it could be your family. It could be practice. It doesn't hurt if you're a genius. <laughs> yeah, that's what it that's what seems to be the case. There are these superstars who can do really, really well, but they're still humans. Well, I think one of the other uh, uh, aspects, especially when it comes to remote viewing, is that not only are you trying to remote view something that's within this world, but there's probably an infinite number of alternative realities that, it, that coexist alongside of us. And without the proper training to filter that extraneous noise out, you know, you may be able to have the ability to, you know, to pick up, say, like that bomber that crash landed in a jungle on the other side of the planet in this other reality and report on it. And well, no, that that didn't happen in this one. But of course, you know, how are you going to double check with a, you know, an alternative reality? Hey, just yes, want to remind our listeners back in 2009. We featured someone from the UK, a remote viewer named Daz Smith, and he got into some kind of flame war in our forums. So I guess we lost touch with him. But we ran a test of his remote viewing abilities, and he passed it. What more can I say? Wow. So another case uh, that was really remarkable to me when I first started on this was learning about Ingo Swan, who was one of the early remote viewers in the U.S. government program. And Russell Targ wrote about this in one of his books, that in 1973, they asked him to remote view what Jupiter looked like. And at the time, apparently we didn't know all the details. But six years later, the results of the Voyager 1 probe came back and it, it validated what Ingo Swan had remote viewed which is remarkable in many ways, but it shows that this phenomenon is not limited to this planet. It, it, it can go very far away, which makes sense in the context of the metaphysics where we're part of something interconnected, uh, whatever you want to call it, some kind of consciousness that we're part of, and might even relate to the quantum physics that is now becoming more mainstream. Yeah, Ingo Swan was definitely the uh, LeBron James of remote viewing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Joe McMonagall was another one. We did really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and um, I've uh, I, I've talked to people who who run companies that that 
that work to train remote viewers um, in the, uh, the 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 corporate field. And the people that I've talked to said that that most of us have the ability to a certain extent. You know, you just have to be willing to take the 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 time to do it, but not to expect you know one hundred percent success rates. Uh, you know, from from everybody, and if you're lucky, you know, you'll find a few people who are really good at it. But that it is it is possible for for anybody to a certain extent if they take the time uh, to be able to do it. Well, another complication, and I came across this when I interviewed Stephen Schwartz, who's run groups of, of remote viewers to try to look at the future to see what might happen. So using people using their minds to see the future, and he said, "Look, the future is not fixed; it's probabilistic." So people might perceive something that is actually the most likely future at the time of the perception, at the time of the remote viewing exercise, but the future might change based on all the different things happening in the world. So that's another factor just to consider. Well, it makes you wonder also if that probability can be changed just by predicting it. <laughs> right. You know, is, is that... An, uh, is that enough to, to, to mess it all up? <laughs> and this also, your point relates to scientific studies in general. If we go back to this notion of psychokinesis, where the mind can have an impact on the physical world, what does that mean for all the scientific studies we're running, where the, the, the psychology of the experimenter could, in some very small way, be impacting the experiment itself? Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> Well, you know, there's there's also the aspect when it comes to scientific research that, that, that that's always kind of intrigued me is that if uh, um, usually if one laboratory or, or, or a group of scientists come across an idea and then have it published, chances are there's going to be another group that's going to publish the very same thing almost at exactly the same time. I've heard of that. I haven't seen the like the data on it, but I've heard examples where it's like it's as if an idea enters the field of consciousness and then it becomes more possible. That's what it feels like. It almost reminds me of what happens in Hollywood where you suddenly see two movies about a disastrous meteor or something. And people say, well, maybe one producer heard the other one's doing it and wanted to get in there first. <laughs> but the problem with that is that as anyone who has studied the makings of Hollywood, a movie idea doesn't just appear overnight. The story may be sitting around for years. It'll be changed and changed. It could take a couple of years at least to make that movie. And then to suddenly have another producer come out with a similar movie, it's really difficult to get those things to come around at the same time. Mm. Well, that's a good point. And if we are interconnected in some way with regard to our consciousness, it seems plausible that something could happen where creativity is, is being received, so to speak, by various people's brains, and it might manifest through various forms of art. Well, that says, of course, again, that we're interconnected. We're not separate entities operating totally independently. Yes, that to me is central to all of this. And the paradox is that we exist in a world where we very much are individuals. Like it's, un it's unavoidable that there is a me and a you. But then at another level of reality, there is this interconnectivity in which some might even argue that we are literally the same. 
uh, Erwin Schrodinger, the Nobel Prize winning physicist, said, in truth, there's only one mind. And an analogy I often reference is from a philosopher, uh, Dr. Bernardo Kastrup. He says, it's like reality is one big stream of water where water is analogous to consciousness. And each of us is a whirlpool within the stream. So we have the sense of being individuals, but we're fundamentally interconnected. I think a lot of people ought to learn that lesson because we have such a mess going on right now. We're looking about upside down thinking. On the show this week, Mark Gober, author of four books on the subject, is here to talk about it with Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz. It means you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, our concept of being individuals is an illusion? It's a very deep question. Um, some would argue that in, in, in some fashion it's an illusion, in other way it's a reality it's paradoxical really because when looking at something like quantum physics for example which has been around for about 100 years there is this notion of entanglement where to just briefly summarize it if you have two particles that are physically separated from each other when you affect one the other one that's far away is affected instantaneously 
So Albert Einstein didn't like this notion because he always thought the speed of light was the fastest that things could travel. And yet there was something that was instantaneous between distant particles. And later he acknowledged that this was a reality and more and more science is coming out to suggest that that's true. So that does point to the notion of something interconnected that is beyond our typical perception. And I do agree with you where, where you're heading that if we understood this interconnectivity, it would change lots of behavior. And one of the phenomena along these lines that's really impacted my, my personal life, and I talk about this in episode six of Where Is My Mind podcast, it's called the life review phenomenon in near-death experiences. So a near-death experience is when a person has, let's say, cardiac arrest, they're very close to death, and then they're resuscitated. And they're in a state where their brain, according to mainstream science, should not be able to produce something complex, let alone memories during the time that they were clinically dead that are later verified. So people will say, well, my consciousness was hovering over my body, and I saw the surgery being done, and they explain the details, and the doctor will say that's impossible. And yet the memories are verified, meaning that they're not hallucinations. Now, one of the phenomena that often occurs in these near-death experience states is people relive their whole life in, in what appears to be a short amount of time, but they also relive the events through the eyes of the people that they impacted. So, for example, I interviewed Daniel Brinkley for my podcast. He has had multiple near-death experiences. Each time he had a life review that he's able to remember, and he recalls his combat days in Vietnam where he had to relive the deaths of the people that he killed in combat through their eyes. And he also felt what it was like to be the children who no longer had fathers because he had killed the fathers in combat. So he directly felt this interconnectivity, which is what many other near-death experiencers describe. They come back in their body after being resuscitated and they change their whole life because the priorities shift. They might change their job. They might get divorced. They end up caring much more about service. What also this implies here is that if your body dies, you go on. So where do you go? Is that reincarnation or what? It's a very important question. Uh, I do think there is evidence for reincarnation. And if we adopt this, the Castrop's analogy of whirlpools in the stream, it's almost like the recycling of a whirlpool. The individual becomes something else within the stream. There is significant evidence, in my view, from the University of Virginia for decades, they've been studying cases of young children who have memories of what appear to be previous lives, over 2,500 cases. And in the strongest examples, the researchers are able to find historical records of what the child is describing. And in, to my, my mind, the strongest cases are the ones where the child has physical birthmarks or defects that align with the death in the previous life, where the researchers can find medical records of how the person died in the previous life, and it correlates with the, the physical body of the person who is now born. Yeah, it makes you wonder why physical aspects would carry on to the next life. You know, I mean, if, if, if we're talking about something that is separate from the material world, why would somebody then be reborn with birthmarks, things like that, that may correspond to uh, injuries suffered in a previous life? It is quite mysterious. I mean, it suggests to me that there is information that's transferred. I don't know how that would manifest. Maybe it has to do with the DNA uh, that from the previous life, that the consciousness of that life impacts the biology of this one somehow. I mean, the way that the researchers at the University of Virginia say it is that uh, traditionally 
in the medical field, people think that just genetics and environment are the two factors that impact our physical form. And they say that based on the research they do, there must be a third factor, something that we don't understand that is able to impact people physically, but also mentally, where they might have fears or things that they really like that are also correlated to the previous life. Ah, that's see that that's that's perfect because that leads into um, my next question. My wife, who is somewhat of an agnostic when it comes to things like this, asked me one time, you know, if what's the point in reincarnation if the you know the idea is that you know each life you you, you know it's 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 a lesson and you learn something and then you come back to to learn more and if that's the case why do you come back with no previous memories if you've lost everything you know all that uh, information that you learned mm-hmm. yeah there is an amnesia clearly if past lives are real it seems that most of us don't have memory and some argue that that it occurs because if we had all the memories, we wouldn't be able to learn quite as much. That's a theory. But I, I also wonder if some of this stuff is literally beyond what our human brain can comprehend and compute. Sort of like the concept of infinity. We acknowledge that it's a mathematical reality, but we don't really understand how it works. This stuff with reincarnations might be so complex that it's beyond what we can comprehend. Well, yeah, I mean, you consider that our brains basically evolved so we don't get eaten by that tiger hiding in the bush. And it really hasn't changed that much uh, on, on, the, on the physical level since the time that we fell out of the trees. So I could, yeah. see, I could see why some of these concepts that we are talking about some of these things that we are aware of but can't quite put our finger on may just be outside of our ability to consider them. I want to mention one thing before we go into that response about reincarnation. Maybe we do know what happened the previous time, but it's on an unconscious level, and we act in different ways to our environment accordingly, but we're not consciously aware of what we're doing. Of course, it's still, I would still agree with your wife. Wouldn't it be nice to know what you did wrong so you can make it right? You were going to say, Mark? No, that's a really good point that the people, especially young children, they have uh, attractions and aversions that relate to the previous life that they're speaking of. So it's not on a conscious level. Um, Let's say when they're older in life, they might not remember the source of the fear um, or the thing that they like, and that might occur for many of us. We don't know where our preferences come from. So it's just a a matter of what we can consciously access. And what I was thinking of saying is, and this relates to the UFO phenomenon too, um, the novella called Flatland is relevant here, where, as the analogy goes, People live in a two-dimensional world. That's us. We live like on a flat piece of paper. If you imagine that a three-dimensional sphere intersects with this two-dimensional world that we inhabit, the intersection is a circle. And the people like us in two-dimensional world, we can only see the circle. And we can analyze the circle as much as we want and understand everything about it. But we're missing the sphere because it's literally beyond our dimensional perception. And I think that that aspect might be at play with all of this stuff is that we're approaching it from one angle. And it's more, this is all multidimensional. Then the question would be, is there a way for us to see this other dimension? 
Well, people claim that in altered states of consciousness, they are able to perceive all sorts of things, whether it's through meditation, through various psychedelics, through a near-death experience, through even allegations of abductions by non-human intelligences. They've talked about other dimensions and other worlds. It seems that there are ways to escape the so-called blindfold of our brain. I was going to ask about near-death experiences because there have been studies that say near-death experiences and UFO abductions have a lot of commonalities. And maybe in our next segment, we can talk about that. And by the way, listeners, if you search through our archives and our forums, there's a long article by a guy named Red Pill Junkie who covers the reasons why he thinks the near-death experience and the abduction are very much related. Mark, Gene, and Tim, you're in the podcast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? 
I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, Mark, you were about to say. Okay, so we're talking about UFO experiences and, and near-death experiences. That research has been done. Uh, one of the early studies was by Dr. Kenneth Ring, who was originally a near-death experience researcher, but kept hearing about these commonalities that people were describing. So he did a study where he looked at the near-death experience group and the people who had UFO encounters and found that there were many similarities, uh, one of which was that people typically became much more spiritual afterwards, which is pretty interesting. In both cases, the near-death experience can be very traumatic because the person almost died, and some of the UFO encounters are not always positive, and yet people, if they're able to integrate the experiences properly, um, they can have positive spiritual changes. But he also talked about a, a bunch of other types of changes that are similar, such as like physical sensitivities, being sensitive to light, uh, physiological changes such as blood pressure, nervous system, psychoenergetic functioning, so sleep patterns, overall energy, and then there were also changes in emotion and mental awareness and also paranormal functioning, where people tend to be, become much more psychic. I don't know what to make of this exactly, but the fact that we're dealing with some other dimension of consciousness, perhaps, in these types of experiences, they change the person in similar ways. It's almost like they give them a software update. That's what it seems like. It's like they get a glimpse into another aspect of reality, and then they come back forever changed. If we don't go through that, we are basically implanted with a single version of the software at our birth, and that's what we follow through. So it's like system 3 million, and we still have system 3 million 75 years later, but with a near-death experience, we have system 5 million well, what I have heard from especially near-death experiencers who've come back, they say you don't have to go through a near-death experience and all that trauma to learn the lessons. So I think we can study these phenomena and see the ways in which people change, and that takes effort. But it's possible to absorb the software update, so to speak, maybe in more subtle ways. I've heard of people who have had just 
out of the blue enlightenment moments, you know, epiphanies, so to speak, where they'll just be, you know, sitting on their easy easy chair out in the backyard, just glimpse the blue sky that just sends their, their mind reeling and oftentimes, just all too briefly, gives them an awareness of how things are working, but then just as quickly they, they lose it again, but then they're forever changed. And so, I mean, we're seeing a similar pattern as has been discussed with near-death experiences, abduction experiences, to just out-of-the-blue experiences. Yeah, that's a great point. And in my second book, An End to Upside-Down Living, where I talk about implications for setting a, a, basically an approach to living life based on these principles, I looked a lot at these awakening experiences people had. At the time, I wasn't looking at the UFO stuff as much, but this is more like people in meditation or with psychedelics or, like you say, spontaneous experiences. And this can happen through dreaming, through strong feelings of love or devotion, even reading a book. And there are people who have studied this, like, for example, uh, Dr. Bonnie Greenwell. She wrote a book called When Spirit Leaps. There's a podcast series called Buddha at the Gas Pump, in which Rick Archer, the host, interviews people that have gone through awakening experiences from all walks of life. So it's difficult to put one's finger on all this because you don't know why someone's going to have an awakening experience all the time. It can happen unexpectedly, and yet the person is forever changed because they can't unsee it almost. It's like they experience something and they have to reconcile it. How do we compare organized religion with this concept? What I've found, and I'm not a religious scholar, but I would say in my cursory review of all this stuff, is that the religions seem to all acknowledge the paranormal and that many of the prophets that that religions point to, those were people that had access to some other dimension. Maybe they had an awakening, maybe they had a UFO encounter, maybe it was a near-death experience, and they came back and had a, had a description of reality that has similar features. There might be differences in the rituals and the practices that they describe, but they'll say things like, they'll talk about interconnectivity, the idea of the universal consciousness or intelligence, which some might call God. And that's how I see it, is that a lot of the religions are based on extraordinary experiences and trying to bring those into words. Now, that's also one of the big challenges here is that, especially in the near-death experience state, but many of them, others as well, is that people come back and say, look, I can't use words to describe what happened to me. The term is ineffability, meaning that human language is, is inadequate to describe what happens. So we're left with an approximation, and those of us who hadn't had the experience, it's hard to relate. And therefore, it's an approximation. We have different versions of it. Exactly. And that leads to issues also with the UFO phenomenon or, let's say, contact with non-human intelligences, because people might say, well, I encountered a demon. Another person might say, I encountered a being of light. They might just use different terms to describe something very similar in reality. And then people hear those words and then bring their own spin to it. And then over time, it's easy to imagine how things could be distorted. There are some religions that regard UFO encounters as encounters with demons. Yeah, I have heard that. I can understand where that comes from, having looked at this, because it seems that the beings, at least some of them, I mean, who are they? Like, it's they with a capital T. I, I think it's probably many species and many different types of beings who might have different agendas and different traits. But it seems that some of them have an ability to shapeshift 
or to alter consciousness. And the, the topic of screen memories, where they can implant a memory so that you don't remember what actually happened. These are things that come up all the time. And they were studied even by John Mack, the former head of psychiatry at Harvard, Pulitzer Prize winner. He said, the aliens appear to be consummate shapeshifters. And that makes it really difficult to know what's going on. Well, that's the viewpoint that I carry through when it comes to abductions, that very much, much of the information conveyed by these other beings is apt to be there with a particular purpose. It's not necessarily accurate. So if the gray alien says, I'm from Zeta Reticuli, a binary star system, and it doesn't seem to have any planets, but whatever. I'm from Zeta Reticuli, or I'm from Sirius, or whatever. Don't believe him. They're just saying that for advancing their agenda or for your benefit. It's very possible. And it's hard to know what the agenda is of each being. And I would say within, within a species, just like with humans, we could have some people that w- who are saintly and other people who are murderers. There can be a variety within a species of beings that are encountered. So what they do in some cases might be benevolent and for the person's benefit, and other times maybe it's not. Well, it also sounds like the universal consciousness only has so much control over each of these individual whirlpools. Because some are good, some are bad, some are in between. Most are in between, I would suppose. So that expresses a more complicated view of things. Yes, it's very complicated. Uh, The way I look at it is, if we consider consciousness to be like the sun that's always shining, there can be clouds that get in the way of the rays. So the rays are always shining. And to me, that's like the, the universal benevolence, the universal consciousness, in my view, based on people's experiences, is benevolent. That's my hypothesis. But there can be obstructions to that benevolence. And that's the world that we seem to inhabit, where there is dark light. It's like the yin-yang symbol, where the dark and the light are intertwined. How that relates to the universal consciousness, it, it is complex. Like, what, how are the clouds there? What are they made out of? How is it that we can become disconnected with the universal consciousness if we are part of it at the same time? Mark, Gene, and Tim, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203.
USA News Update. The Mega Millions jackpot soaring to $785 million after no one matched all six numbers in Friday's drawing. Tuesday's Mega Millions price is getting close to the billion-dollar mark after nobody correctly picked all six numbers in Friday night's drawing. The jackpot will be the fourth largest in the game's history at $785 million. Lottery officials say the cash option is less than half that at $395 million. I'm Jeremy Scott. At least two New York City police officers won a rookie who was working his first day on the job were stabbed by a man with a machete just near the party in Times Square. Both officers expected to recover. The suspect identified as 19-year-old Trevor Bickford of Maine. He was shot in the shoulder by police. Extreme weather overtaking the U.S. The National Weather Service said between three and four inches of rain fell in the San Francisco area alone in just the last day, causing flash flooding and closing major roadways. Corey Myers, USA News. If you're like most Americans, you can see things are out of control. Global problems have local consequences, too many of them. And if the next news headline spins us into chaos, you'd better be ready. Grocery store supply chains are only as strong as their weakest link. Don't wait for them to break. Today's the day to secure emergency food for everyone in your family. My Patriot Supply is America's largest preparedness company. Our specially packaged and delicious food stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. It'll be there when you need it. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and pick up several emergency food kits. There are a dozen different sizes that average over 2,000 calories per day. As we all know, calories equals energy equals survival. And as you'd expect from a true preparedness company, our food kits are in stock and ship quickly. Those who know what's coming are preparing today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Extendivite testimonials on Amazon are very informative. Here's just a few. Amazon customer, five stars. Honestly, this stuff works. Nick, easy to take capsules. For those who can't handle the liquid drops, easy to take Extendivite capsules do the same job. Karoka Fam, works great. Like Extendivite very much. Seems to work as advertised. Thanks. Arlene, five stars. Love this product, Extendivite. Terry W., five stars. Can't say enough. Great product. Freya, five stars. I just ordered another. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E.com. Or call us at 1-877-928-8822. Extend your life with Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Are you familiar with the name John Keel? Yes. Okay, because he talked about ultra-terrestrials, a universal something or other. And he said it's insane, which is why things are so inconsistent and so weird. I'm, I think it's all plausible. I'm, I'm, I would say I'm open to that because that we hear such a diverse range of reports from people in terms of the beings they encounter, the types of experiences they have. I mean, there are many commonalities, but it is so beyond what people ordinarily experience in daily living. And the fact that this has been happening, also 
there's a historical component to this where people throughout history have described uh, encounters with different beings. There's cave art from a long time ago. Something does seem to be going on that's mysterious. Tim, I'm thinking, Gene. I'm thinking, Gene. I'm thinking. <laughs> it sounds like the joke with Jack Benny, if you remember him. Yeah, yeah. Well, comedian. Yeah, was- you know the one I'm talking about where he did this in some form on TV and on radio. And, of course, his character, his shtick was that he was very cheap. Fortunately, he was also Jewish, and that kind of had a stereotype there. But, you know, we always took it with no seriousness. So he is confronted by a robber who says to him, your money or your life. And then there's silence. Your money or your life. And Benny says, I'm thinking about it. (laughs) Okay, Gene, I've got it formulated in my head. You're talking about... um the things that that could cloud that uh, eternal sunshine of of cosmic consciousness, and our our physical brains, our physical bodies, more than likely act as like a filtering system to this. Um, uh, each each living thing or. or has has their own version of it, you know. It, it it makes me think because it's like I said earlier that you know our brains basically evolved uh, uh, to to prevent us from getting getting eaten and to and to reproduce. If we didn't have this filtering, we'd probably go insane seeing all the things that are actually around us at all times you know uh, the, the the timelessness of of reality the other intelligences that live alongside of us i mean heck just uh, just the things that may be around us that are just outside of the vis- visible light spectrum that uh, that we can physically see so i could see your physical body as being uh, a, a cloudiness, so to speak. That seems to be the case. And you're reminding me of some of the awakening experiences that I studied, where people would have use that kind of language that you're talking about, where their perception was like too much to handle for this physical body. And maybe that's part of what's going on. Uh, another theory that I've come across, and this is some wild and crazy speculation, but there are people who think that maybe the human body has been genetically modified. Uh, For example, Paul Wallace, who was an Australian archdeacon, traditional Christian, started to look at ancient texts from the Bible to the Sumerian tablets to the Mesoamerican Popol Vuh, and he thinks that when combining all the stories together from around the world, it might be possible that there are beings who um, turn down our brain's default settings, for example. So there's just lots of questions. There are defects in our programming. And some would say the defects are intentional. And even from a cosmic perspective, you could make that argument that they're intentional because if we perceived everything, we wouldn't have the same learning experience and it would be too much. From a darker angle, which I do hear people, some people speculate, is that um, humans are being held down to, so that they are not expressing their fullness. Well, that would be fun if it was. I mean, right now, when you look at the world, you wonder what the overall game plan is, because it's crazy. It is totally insane to even describe what's happening amongst people in the same country, 
people in different countries. There's no logic yeah. to it. It doesn't seem there is. It seems like it's beyond comprehension. So where I often come back to this on this stuff, especially after studying awakening journeys, is that the best we can do is to work on ourselves, do the best we can in our individual lives, and work on the evolution of the individual soul, if you want to use that terminology. Uh, because what many people say is that because consciousness continues after the body dies um, in a non-physical manner, we're not going to take material stuff that we have in this world with us, but we can take with us the way in which we, we evolved, regardless of what's happening in the world around us. And the question also is, is there an afterlife? Do you go someplace or go to where it appears you've gone someplace and you undergo whatever you're going to undergo and then for whatever reason you come back here? Is that the next day, the next year, the next century? How's it all work out? This stuff is really hard to study because the near-death experience is near-death. The person didn't actually die. They decided to come back to their body or they were told by a being of light or some spiritual being that they allegedly encountered that they had to go back. There was more they had to do in this life. So we're limited from the near-death experience research if we, in fact, uh, do think that they're telling us something about the beginning process of dying. But the other research that we can look at is uh, people who channel information, people who are psychic mediums who claim that they can communicate with deceased beings or beings in other dimensions. The problem there, however, is how can we validate the information that's coming through? Or even remote viewers, I guess, could do something like that. We, I don't know how we could validate it. I mean, we could try to triangulate and say there are lots of channelers and psychics who say similar things about the afterlife, but that doesn't tell us that it's necessarily true because we don't know the source of the information. Also, they might do that because of the belief. We have a culture of the afterlife being thus and so. So when someone perceives something that might be connected, they're going to see it in those terms. That's a very important point, that there's a, a bias that can imbue some of the stuff. And what, what people would say, like John Mack, the Harvard psychiatrist, said this, and, and near-death experience researchers say this, is that children who have these reports, those are powerful cases because they don't have the same cultural bias typically. And what they come back with often aligns with what many adults have said. I often think children also are born with certain abilities that they never exploit because we train them, we condition them to be parts of society that doesn't accept those things. That seems to be the case. We're not trained in spiritual phenomena, at least in uh, mainstream America, let's say. That's not part of the traditional training. We're, we're trained to, to learn what is needed to uh, thrive in this world. So there are probably abilities that are uh, underutilized. We see them, I think, in our pets. They become parts of the family and sense when things are wrong, sense when things are going on, even though objectively they're only capable of a small number of commands. Like a dog, I think, 150 to 250 words. Yet when I was in the hospital with an operation on my leg for a leg aneurysm, he totally retreated in the house. And as I recovered from the surgery... He recovered from what he was suffering from. His diet returned to normal for a week or two. He was limping, actually limping. And of course, I was wearing something called a wound vac, which is part of your recovery process. Very poorly designed one, but we don't want to go into that. The point being here is that he knew 
what was going on. And when I was not using the wound vac anymore and getting around fairly normally, he no longer had a problem with limping. And when we examined him, the vet said, there's nothing wrong with him. He's in perfect health. But as I said, as I was in the hospital, as I was recovering, and I always thought he was closer to my wife than to me, he was kind of mimicking the symptoms in one way or another. Really, really mysterious. Powers and abilities far beyond those of humans, aren't they? We have Mark and Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s dot com if you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity this will be the most important message you'll hear this year here's why we now have a small number of solar generators back in stock these emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big, bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800 800-507-3137. 
That's 800-507-3137. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, Mark Gober, you heard my dog story, which I'm sure is very, very normal. What do you have to say about it? Two things come to mind. Uh, in my first book, in End Upside Down Thinking, I have a whole chapter on psychic abilities in animals. And Dr. Rupert Sheldrake is probably the foremost researcher in this area. He's a former Cambridge biochemist, and he has studied pets who know when their owners are coming home. And the famous study he did was with dogs where he'd send the owner far away, miles away from home at a randomly selected time, not in her typical car, uh, basically controlled for all the variables that a skeptic would say, well, this is how the dog knew it. And statistically speaking, the dog went to the window when the owner was coming home uh, more often than not. And in fact, what some of the, because Rupert Sheldrake has videos that show how they did the study, and I believe they're available on YouTube still. You can see that when the dog owner is told by the researcher, okay, it's time for you to get into the taxi to go home. When that intention was there, then the dog goes to the window as if it's waiting for the owner to come home. So there is some kind of a connection there between the pet and the pet owner. I'm also reminded of the work of Cleve Baxter, who used to do lie detection for the CIA. And he conducted studies, which I'm not sure if they've been replicated since, but still very interesting, where he would hook up his plant to a lie detector to see if it would react to anything. And initially nothing happened, but then he was about to burn one of the leaves and was actually going to do it like he really intended to do it. And then there was a huge spike in the lie detector. Then he ran a bunch of other studies. One of his books is called Primary Perception, where he describes this. And if I remember correctly, even the cells within a body, so if you take saliva cells or something like that and and put them in a Petri dish, If the person is somewhere far away and has a strong emotional reaction, I believe there's a correlation in the cells in the Petri dish. There's also a story he told in the book where he himself was far away from home and there was a surprise party and he was very surprised. He had his lie detector on the plant and the plant showed an emotional correlation at the time that he was surprised far away. All of this is to say that there is something interconnected that might be going on. And if we could only learn how to do that predictably. And maybe that's our task as we evolve, is to really utilize all these abilities. I want to look at the third book title here, An End to Upside-Down Liberty. 
turning traditional political thinking on its head to break free from enslavement. Now, we're in an area here where we have lots of difficulties with political thinking of one sort or another. Can you tell us more about where you're going with that? Sure. This is a, a long discussion, and it's, I, I try to tie it to the spiritual notion of the life review, which we talked about where people relive their lives in the near-death experience state. And what Dr. Bruce Grayson from the University of Virginia says is that when people come back from this experience, they often say that this is natural law, the notion of the golden rule of treating others the way we'd like to be treated because we're interconnected. Like That's the message that comes back. So what I try to do in that book is tie it to the structure, to the very basic structure of government, not just America, all over the world. The argument that I make is that the government, this is, I'll warn you ahead of time, this is a big paradigm shift that took me a while to wrap my head around. But the way we do government around the world is that the government provides services to its citizens, like road servicing, courts, legal stuff, military, police. But it has different privileges relative to a typical service provider, like an attorney or any, any other service provider in society, a plumber. Often when a citizen engages with a non-government service provider, there's an explicit contract that lays out what the service provider is going to do, how you can terminate the relationship, what the responsibilities are, what the pricing is. And with government, it's much more of an implied consent. And so the argument that I make is that because the consent is implied, people can be forced to do things that they didn't explicitly consent to, which is a violation of the golden rule. So I propose a, a very futuristic, I don't think this is happening anytime soon, a form of governance that's much more in line with the spiritual principles from the life review. Of course, with that kind of suggestion, the way that we look at modern politics, you know, people just automatically are going to jump all over that and just tear it apart. But, I mean, we've seen that throughout history, and any good way to govern needs to evolve. Yeah, that's how I think about it. It's sort of like a North Star to start with spiritual principles and see how we can be better aligned with it, knowing that we're in a very different system today all over the world. But ideas start somewhere, and that's how I look at it. And then again, you'll have, like, uh, you, you talk about spiritual principles, and there's always going to be uh, various religious factors who would be like, well, spiritual principles and not our dogma, so it must be evil. So, you know, you, you got to go against really this this almost ingrained belief that if it's outside of the normal, then it's just automatically evil <laughs> mm. yeah that's an important point because what i'm using as spiritual principles is based on the science that we have today where i can point to researchers who say that this is happening over and over again but we probably live in a universe where there are different types of natural law and different types of laws that maybe we don't we can't point to um, and different people have different beliefs about all that so how do we turn traditional political thinking on its head well, to me, it's about starting with these principles that we can try that we can try to triangulate um, and think about envisioning a, a better society in the future that's much more in alignment with the notion of consent. And the term that I use in the book that others have used as well, it's called voluntarism, where uh, interactions and exchanges are on an explicitly voluntary basis. So 
to me, it starts with the idea, especially if consciousness is fundamental, then if we have a shift in consciousness, we never know what, how that could manifest in the future. So to me, that's the ultimate solution is, is a new consciousness. Well, how do you do that with a mm. Democrat or a Republican? <laughs> right, because you have both sides that want to force their, their views on the other side. Well, we need a big changes eventually. But I think it does start with people having different ideas. And one of the points I make in the book, which others have made as well, is that just like with science, we're ingrained with certain views about government and how the way society is structured from a very young age. So there, it's a matter to me of breaking out of a paradigm or at least being open to the fact that we're in a paradigm and that there are other possibilities that are out there. And that's one of the main reasons I do interviews like this and write books is that like you never know what the first domino is going to be for someone when you plant seeds. And how it works beyond that, Gene, I really don't know. It's, this is so, so complex in a multidimensional universe with a planet that's complex. But like I said before, I think each of us just can do the best we can individually. Well, there's a perception here, for example, that children who go to school are being brainwashed to a particular point of view. And then you got a new group of politicians. They ban the old books and say, now we're going to brainwash our students to this belief. I mean, they told me when I was a kid that, about George Washington chopping down the cherry tree, and it was a metaphor about being honest. Of course, it had nothing to do with the facts. But a lot of our images that we carry through our culture is not true. Thanksgiving was not at its heart what we thought it would be. Christ was not born on December 25th. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know what you mean that we ideas are implanted whether intentionally or not when we learn things at a young age that's going to carry through and we're going to have certain associations with things so one of the arguments that uh that i've heard especially around the downsides of government as it is now is that the government gets to set the curriculum especially in public schools so if if that part of society had this more voluntary type of interaction at least the parents would get to uh more explicitly select the information that their children are exposed to rather than the government setting the standard itself. Yes, but each school system is run by a school board in a particular locality. And by putting the people you want on that board, they can set policy. It's not right. happening from Washington or the state capital or even the local city or county. It's happening on the local level. If people will participate there in setting policy. No, that's that's very as true. local as you can get. That's as local as you can get with schools. It's not like having a band of outside political agitators, as they do, coming in there to enforce something about critical race theory, which is a concept taught in graduate school to lawyers. It has nothing whatever to do with anything taught in K through 12 schools. Not at all. It's a political, cultural farce. But that's the thing. In other words, you want to have the local authorities controlling what the students in that area learn and keep out the politicians who want to brainwash people to a particular point of view. And I know that's an ongoing conflict. There you go with yeah. that. We've got Mark and Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, therefore, Mark Oper, if we live our own lives, try to live better, try to observe our variation of the golden rule, the politicians aren't going to listen to that. Well, you're getting to the, the critical point of how practically could something more spiritually aligned be implemented? And not being a politician myself, it's hard to say how that would happen. The, the way I've framed it in my own mind is that there are maybe two parallel paths that are interrelated. One is building something new in parallel to our current society that's more in line, and that, that takes the initiative of people. How that will manifest, I don't know exactly. And then the other, which I think is much less likely, is to try to have a more spiritually aligned politicians who can try to change things from the inside. But so far that has not been as successful. So to me, it really rests on just like the way that science might change, just like everything in society. I do think that the people are going to have to evolve individually and perhaps there's a critical mass at which point we'll see positive change. The problem we have now is politicians, first of all, in order to run, and we'll talk about the United States. I don't really know that much about the political antics in other countries as much, where for a politician to get elected to anything beyond a local office, they have to have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. They therefore have to talk to donors who therefore will ask them to perhaps consider certain policies. I, I heard it said once that the politician, like a member of Congress, may have to spend a huge amount of their time dealing with donors 
to get the money to run is stay in office. And staying in office is as important or more important than actually doing anything and doing what you're promised. And then you still find situations there where some pretty wacky people get into public office, people that you would think if they went to a psychiatrist, they'd be declared insane or they're criminals. We have an example in New York where we have one member of Congress incoming. And I don't want to get into Republican versus Democrat versus independent libertarian politics. It's just one person who says he went to a particular school he didn't go to. He went to another school he didn't go to. He had this job, which he didn't have. He's Jewish, but he's not Jewish. If you get the point, somebody making up a story about their background, running for public office, and except for a little outcry, there will probably be no consequences. That's why we have troubles. We can't get people in there who are qualified to do what we want them to do. They have to be people who can afford or can find a way to get the money to get in there. Yeah, it's a very good point. And what I, what I talk about in an end to upside down liberty is that we're not hiring the government in the same way that we hire a traditional service provider. And therefore, the government and the politicians don't have the same financial incentive that a normal service provider has. Because if you're a service provider doing a bad job, then the customer can hire someone else. Uh, the one who's doing a bad job could go out of business, for example, or they might financially struggle. With government, government collects taxation money regardless of its performance, and it can effectively print money through central banks. So it has this uh, financial resource regardless of performance. And that's one of the arguments for this more voluntarist society where people are picking the things explicitly that they want rather than having those things imposed on them without their explicit consent. But there have to be common services. And this is where we get into the libertarian point of view right. that I think you're expressing. There have to be yes. common services like police, fire. There have to be common services like education because not everybody can afford to pay the best private school. Common services that deal with people of different income classes and their needs. There have to be roads. There have to be bridges. There therefore has to be a governing body to manage this. The problem is not that we have the governing bodies, it's to make them run more efficiently and make them more responsive to individual people. I don't think we can give all that up. It's just not going to work. It may work on an individual level in certain areas, but it's not going to work on a nationwide level, it has to have, as I say, a commons, a common services that everybody expects. You shouldn't have to have enough money to get the fire department to come to your house to put out the fire. The point is everybody's paying for it and then having taxes based on how much you can afford to pay. Well, that kind of makes sense. You've got to have money to do that. I mean, if there was no money system, let's argue against that. There's no money system. It's like the 23rd century and Captain Kirk. He didn't have enough money to pay for the pizza because there's no money in the 23rd century in Star Trek for the voyage home. So therefore, there's no financial incentive to do something. You do the right thing. You provide the services that everybody needs, a way for people to decide what services they want, and you go for it. Today, it's greed. And greed is not always good. No, I agree. In the book, I talk about some of the theoretical economists who talk about how the things you described could be potentially privatized in the future where it would still work. But ultimately, you would run into this problem where certain people might not have as much. They might not have access to certain things. And that is problematic. 
So the argument that I make in the book is is not just a political argument. I call it a metaphysical political philosophy, where it's it's a two by two matrix basically. You have two axes. One is the political, where it's like this pure voluntarist society versus the other end of the spectrum, which is a, the state running everything. And then the other axis is uh, scientific materialism, you know, atheism, things like that. And then at the top would be non-duality, one universal consciousness. And that gives you four quadrants. And what I argue is we need to move toward the spiritual and the voluntary quadrant. I call it non-dual voluntarism, where non-dual is the spiritual aspect, where people have this metaphysical outlook and the movement away from the traditional state together. Therefore, form a new state? No, that it would be a, a non-state, but the metaphysics that people would be adhering to would be much more charitable. Right, but how do you get the roads and bridges built? Those can be done by private companies. It's just human beings providing a service. The difference is with private companies is that they expect to earn a profit from their work. Therefore, they're going to orient the services they provide to where they can make the most money. So those who do not have as much money, and we can't always blame them for it, can't get the services because there is no incentive. The reason you have public commons is that there should not be a financial incentive to provide a service. You shouldn't have to be rich to get the policeman to come in 10 minutes. If the person who has the money gets them in 10 minutes, the person who doesn't waits three hours. Well, I mean, the flip side of it is, first of all, we're dealing with things that are imperfect on all sides. But in the current structure, we don't have a financial incentive for these services to be provided properly or efficiently because you could have police in one area of the city when they're needed in another area, they're not allocated properly. And because they don't go out of business, regardless of performance, they can continue to do poorly, whether it's police or other structures. So they lack that financial incentive. Well, you can give them a bonus for doing the right thing. I mean, you could, but that's not how it's done currently. Where let's say the education system, this is one of the arguments I've heard is that if the education system is done poorly, that's an argument for government to say, well, actually, we need more money. We need more funding because it's being done poorly. Um, when in a marketplace, if you do poorly, you're not going to get paid. Well, the, if you want to get a raise, you have to do good. There has to be a qualitative judgment, whether you're making a profit or not. There has to be a way to incentivize people to do the best they can. And yes. to put them in positions based on that. That doesn't mean you give up the current government system. You can make it more efficient. And it also means that it doesn't mean that you cannot give people bonuses or incentives. You know, it's just like a car salesman. We have some car dealers where they have a flat rate and the salespeople earn a salary. But if the group as a whole, all the salespeople pick up extra sales, they get a bonus based on what everybody contributes. I mean, it's, it's an interesting argument. We can go on forever with it and maybe not get resolved. And it doesn't connect us to the universal consciousness because I can't imagine that the universal consciousness gives a wit about <laughs> what we do about the roads and the bridges and the bribery and faking your resume and all that stuff. If you're a good person, I guess we should care about that. The rest, we can argue forever and ever and never resolve anything because obviously we haven't resolved anything that's why this whole world is as screwed up as it is if i was et i would not come here <laughs> okay mark gene and tim you're in the paracast
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is ShopSuperTea.com, or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Have you ever watched a video on the internet and found yourself waiting for the skip the ad button? The reason this takes a few seconds is because the video delivery companies get to collect impression commission, and the viewer never sees the advertisement. The company still pays full price to run the ad. Does this sound like a scam to you? Is there any wonder why Internet ads are so ineffective? For over 100 years, radio has been a proven source for companies' messages. Radio listeners are engaged and want to support the companies that sponsor the shows they're so passionate about. Simple companies like window treatments, security, pillow companies, and more have been able to break away from the big box stores building multi-million dollar businesses. Find out what radio can do for your business. Call 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. This gets us into the political arena, which I didn't really want to go to except for the few minutes there. I want to look at the latest book. This is one that you sent us a copy of. An End to Upside-Down Contact, UFOs, Aliens, and Spirits, and Why Their Ongoing Interaction with Human Civilization Matters. The first question I have, Mark Goper, is, are we really being contacted by aliens? Well, this gets into a definition of alien. What is? What do we mean by alien? And I struggle with this because I'm relying on people's allegations of encounters with intelligences that appear not to be humans, or some would say some of them might be time travelers from the future. I don't know. I like the term non-human intelligence because it's much more all-encompassing. Typically, the term alien is associated with other planets, to beings that came here somehow from another place. And that seems possible in some cases because of all the UFO sightings. And I don't know if we can trust some of the encounters where people say they encountered beings from other places. That's possible. But I do think there are intelligences out there who seem to be interacting with humans, and they seem to be impacting our world. Now, beyond that, there are lots of question marks for me. When it comes to uh, um, upside-down thinking, one of the the main aspects in this book, uh, uh, and not upside-down thinking, the end of uh, upside-down contact, is... Not only the way our own consciousness exists, but the fact that so much of your book also deals with contacts with non-human intelligence, um, which raises just all kinds of other issues uh, 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 with people with non-human intelligences. Um but I, I, I suppose the point that I'm trying to make is, is that, I mean, you know, do you think that since we are dealing with a, um, uh, the possibility of a universal consciousness, that these other intelligences are basically just more of us? <laughs> that, was yeah. kind of a long, that was kind of a long way to go around it there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, are we just dealing with ourselves? Um, looking back at us from a mirror. Well, this is the the crux of the matter, because if we are interconnected, then other beings at some level, regardless of the species, they are us. But the paradox is that we live in a apparent duality where there is a me and a you that seem to be separate at some level of our everyday perception. And therefore, within that level of reality, it does seem possible that there are these other species who are interacting. Now, I don't know how to reconcile this paradox other than it's probably just beyond comprehension that we are both the same as these beings and then not the same at the same time. Now, Whitley Strieber, he started out thinking that, uh, and naturally so, uh, that that he was dealing with uh, you know extraterrestrials um, with, uh, with his abduction experiences. Uh, now, his more recent books has him contemplating the idea that that he is dealing 
that the term extraterrestrial really has no meaning. That the that the way that we are currently seeing the universe and everything around us uh, is is flawed, and that it's probably works in a much different way than than we can think or even consider. So I mean. How would you tell somebody who is willing to take a, a different look at uh, how they see things? Um, but, you know, you can only go so far. Well, what I found, especially writing about topics that are challenging paradigms all over the place, is that it cannot be forced on people. And I really try not to force things on people. So what's important to me is that information is accessible for those who want it and that they know it's there. But beyond that, the person has to want to do it. The exception to that is if they have a direct experience, because that seems to change people regardless of whether or not they want it, whether it's an abduction, uh, a UFO sighting, a near-death experience. Um, it just happens to them, a spontaneous awakening. So I don't know. <laughs> In short, I'm not sure how to, to really make someone want to wake up to this unless they have the motivation themselves. Now, obviously, you don't want a near-death experience, but I can think <laughs> that people, some people, might actually want a UFO abduction to occur. Sure, I'd like to meet those little greys and have a conversation with them. I have heard people say that, and I've had heard other people say that they don't, they're too afraid. They don't want to deal with it. And the reports often do seem to be pretty frightening. John Mack, who was a psychiatrist at Harvard, he he said that because these experiences were so frightening, they had the possibility to traumatize people afterwards if they didn't have the right state of mind. But if they did, they, they could integrate the trauma into a personal betterment and even a spiritual awakening. But the fact is that these were often traumatic experiences people have had. Sometimes they talk about being operated on. Um, they talk about a hybridization program, which I know sounds crazy. The idea that there are part humans, part aliens that are uh, being created through these abductions, but it is a common report. Well, of course, some people who are abduction researchers claim that they're breeding a hybrid race to ultimately take us over peacefully. Of course, Dr. David Jacobs maintained that. I got the impression our last conference with Kathleen Marden, who used to do UFO abduction investigations for MUFON, that she was oriented that way too. But with Dr. Jacobs, my concern was his hypnotic techniques, that he wasn't interested in whether he was asking leading questions and might be manipulating people to come up with this. But certainly from a practical point of view, if I was E.T. and wanted to take us over, let's just look at this for a second. How would I do it? Would I do what they did in Independence Day, just destroy everything, terraform the planet, whatever? Or would I do something quietly... And if I have a decades or centuries-long agenda, do it so gradually we would never notice. And putting our operatives, hybrids or not, in places of responsibility would be the way to do it. Yeah. I find it very difficult to know exactly what's going on. And I, I do cite the work of Dr. Jacobs in my book. And I also talk about John Mack's perspective on abductions. And he said that this might be a form of an evolutionary insurance program. So this is a much more benevolent take on it, where uh, in case human Earth is no longer able to support human life, 
um, at least we would have some of the human genetics sustained through these hybrids. And maybe the answer is that it's both, depending on the species. Now, what you're trying to do, Gene, is I think it's really hard. I've tried this myself, like to try to get into the psychology of these beings. Why I struggle with it is that they they seem to be much more advanced than we are, and they seem to have a better understanding of the way reality works. So there might be aspects of natural law or just the way things work that would make them want to do certain things and not do other things that we don't have access to. Like we don't have an understanding of that. Mark Gober is joining us. We're talking now about alien abductions and more with Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Radio. Why should I advertise on radio? There's nothing to look at, no pictures. Listen, you can do things on radio you couldn't possibly do on TV. That'll be the day. All right, watch this. Okay, people, and now when I give you the cue, I want the 700-foot mountain of whipped cream to roll into Lake Michigan, which has been drained and filled with hot chocolate. Then the Royal Canadian Air Force will fly overhead, towing a 10-ton maraschino cherry, which will be dropped into the whipped cream to the cheering of 25,000 extras. All right, cue the mountain. Now, you want to try that on television? Well... You see, radio is a very special medium because it stretches the imagination. Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. USA News Update. The salary cap for congressional staffers being raised. The new ceiling for staffers in the House, just more than $212,000 a year. Even though both flu and COVID-19 cases have gone down as of late, health care providers are urging caution. Dr. Jotu Sandu with Sharpery Steely Medical Group in San Diego says more people could be hospitalized with COVID because they aren't taking the same precautions as the last two years. Most people are not masking up, and so that's predisposing people. Uh, to infection. Dr. Sandu says some of his patients report their recent bout with the flu was much worse than COVID. I'm Jeremy Scott. A man from Rhode Island arrested last week after TSA agents found parts of a disassembled semi-automatic handgun wrapped in plastic bags and shoved into two jars of creamy Jif peanut butter. Port Authority police confiscated the handgun parts and arrested the man. Corey Myers, USA News. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or injured at work, you have rights and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good they stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the legal helpline right now. 800-509-4492 800-509-4492 
800-509-4492. That's 800-509-4492. I'm Ben Utech. I played high school, college, and pro football, helping my team win the 2006 championship. It was an amazing day, but it can't compare to the joy I feel every day with my loving wife and three beautiful daughters. My football career ended after I suffered my fifth concussion. Did you know that over a million athletes suffer a concussion each year? That includes boys and girls, every age, every type and level of sport. It isn't always clear that a player has had a concussion. So parents, athletes, and coaches need to learn about concussion signs and symptoms. The American Academy of Neurology recommends athletes thought to have a concussion be immediately removed from play and not returned until assessed by a healthcare professional trained in concussion. This isn't just about sports. It's about your brain. When in doubt, sit it out. Learn more at aan.com concussion. That's aan.com concussion. A message from the American Academy of Neurology. This is me, the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, exactly according to my plan. My first edict with when it comes to so-called alien beings that people might encounter is don't believe a word they say. Why should you believe them? What's their agenda? Why would they tell you they're here because they're interested in peace and brotherhood when they don't do anything about it except grab a few believers who run around the world and say, E.T. is here and they want peace and brotherhood while people are being murdered indiscriminately in Ukraine. Obviously, E.T. is not very helpful. Yeah. I struggle with this one as well. How do we know what to believe? And it does seem with this idea of the benevolent space brothers that it, it can lead to a passivity that, oh, the saviors are coming and therefore we don't need to act. And that could be a manipulation, certainly. But I'm also open to the fact that there could be benevolence out there that does want to help in some way. Um, one of the things I talk about in my book, and I, I don't know how we'd ever validate this, but some of the remote viewers at the Farsight Institute, which is run by Dr. Courtney Brown, an Emory professor, he has often encountered what he calls a galactic federation. And when I say he, I mean his remote viewers. When they're remote viewing different projects, alien beings seem to show up. Even if they're looking at something archaeological, he says, that he the finds that there were aliens or non-human intelligences involved. So with regard to this quote-unquote galactic federation, his view uh, is that there are benevolent beings and they want to help Earth but they're only able to intervene so much because they, they need us to evolve on our own. At least that's the explanation given. I don't know how to verify that, but that could be an explanation that's there, that there's a limit in terms of how much they can actually intervene, even if they have a, our best interests at heart. But we've heard these, uh, these same kind of stories for, gosh, for you know, uh, centuries from, from uh, channelers that uh, or. <laughs> Gosh, even just kids playing with uh, with which Ouija boards, this other intelligence coming through that doesn't appear to have uh, uh, any earthly origins. So, I mean, we're not we're not dealing with a new phenomena here yet. You know, because of of, of the time that goes by between these cases, uh, uh, people don't realize that. Uh, they seem to be channeling the same kind of information. It is interesting that you can 
correlate the information that comes through from various channelers who are claiming to channel different beings. Some of them call, claim to be aliens, some are interdimensional spirits. And there is like an overlap, if you want to call it like a Venn diagram, that there's an overlap in the circles I found in terms of the way they describe the nature of reality. Now, the skeptic might say, well, these beings are so advanced, couldn't they just be tricksters who are coordinating some kind of propaganda to, uh, to give a false perception of how things are, are, are in, uh, metaphysically? I don't know. Well, considering the same kind of messages has been coming down to us, you know, for for quite a long time. Well, I mean, uh, Gene, you probably you know know like uh, Gene Roddenberry was involved in kind of a similar situation with, uh, gosh, what was it? The uh, the the nine, I think, was what this uh, alleged extraterrestrial group uh, uh, called themselves. So, you know, so again, I mean, uh, we get the same kind of stories. Maybe the uh, faces appear to be different, but same stories. Right. And I do think I find that compelling as well. And then there's the other part of me that in, in my uh, book, An End to Upside Down Living, when I talk about spiritual awakening, I have a chapter on cautions. And I, I have a section on channeling where a woman tells about how she was allowing these channeled beings to give her advice in life. And in one instance, they told her to quit her job, and she ended up taking their advice even though she wasn't sure it was the right decision, and it turned out to be a horrible decision. And she claims the beings then started laughing and said, you should kill yourself or something like that. <laughs> so there can be these trickster entities that exist, and that's not to say that all of them are, but I think there's we need to have that discernment and the awareness that we're not always sure. Why not even think that they possibly all are, that all these entities we are in contact with are tricksters. They're pulling the wool over our eyes. They have a hidden agenda. Why take any of them seriously as benevolent creatures? Yeah, I know there are people who have that perspective. There are some miracle healings that people point to where they take that as an incontrovertibly benevolent encounter. They're healed of some long-term ailment. Now, Dr. Jacobs who has a darker take on all of this, his argument is that it's more about keeping the specimens alive rather than doing something benevolent when there's a healing that takes place. But Gene, you raise a good point. It's, it's, if I try to think about how I would explain to a skeptic one way or the other, it's just difficult to validate because they could be tricksters. Obviously, also, it's not something you can duplicate. You can't tell the skeptic, okay, nine o'clock tomorrow night, they're gonna kidnap you, put you aboard a spaceship, take genetic tests. Can't be done. If it yep. can be, don't do it to me. Can't be done. So that's one of the reasons that people are skeptical about things like this. It happens to people. They report it. There may be real causes to it, but the skeptic will say, show me. Reminding me of a, a quote that I mentioned in my book from Kerry Mullis, who's a Nobel Prize winner. He alleges that he encountered a glowing raccoon in the woods and then had missing time and a missing flashlight. And he says, look, I can't prove this to people. I can't put it into a lab. It's an anecdote, but it happened. Well, also, if you look at the number of people who report these experiences and you look at the commonalities, and there's one factor that we don't discuss too much, and this is something Kathleen Martin has said, there is quote-unquote a fact, something that's typical of abductions that have or seem to have a base of fact. And if that's something that's brought forth by the abductee, they will take it seriously because they keep the fact, the test factors secretive. Yeah, I think this just raises the, the broader point that we're dealing with something very advanced. 
and we're trying to understand, going back to my previous analogy of flatland, we're in this two-dimensional world trying to understand the sphere by looking at the circle. And I, I feel like we're, we're going to miss things naturally. Well, unless we get beyond that, and the problem is here, is if you have a group of people who believe that abductions or contacts with Nordic aliens are a certain way, how you, are you going to persuade them? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I have found that people are very, they have strong beliefs in this area, especially if they've had a direct experience, that it is that way. Um, and that happens with near-death experiences, too, where they will get a message and they believe one thing about reality, but it might actually contradict another person's experience. The thing is, of course, if you get this point of view from a perceived supernatural being, I think most people would take it seriously. Well, they're so advanced. They must be telling me the truth. Yes. Uh, Dr. David Hawkins, a spiritual teacher, he always warned about the seduction of glamorous phenomena. And I think that's re relevant here, that there is a glamour associated with these encounters, these beings who appear to be so grand, even within ch with channeling. Channeling is a very extreme phenomenon to see someone have, maybe have bodily gyrations and change their voice. But that, as you're alluding to, Gene, doesn't imply that they are benevolent or that we should trust everything that they're telling us. Kind of reminds me of the TV show V, about this race of aliens that comes here and pretends to be our friends, very, very attractive people. It turns out they're evil reptilians and they want to either feed on us or at least enslave us. Hmm. I haven't seen that, but I've heard people with similar theories. Well, the TV show, actually there were two TV shows early 2000s and later on with the same basic concept done in different ways. In the second show, you met a number of aliens who did not want to enslave Earthlings and wanted to work with us, and they were, as they say, the rebels. I think that made the show more interesting, more dimensional, but this kind of concept dies pretty quickly. You know, last couple of years, and then it jumps the shark, to use the phrase in the TV industry, and it kind of loses its creativity or the audience goes away and there it goes two attempts to produce v maybe 10 years from now somebody will say i'll try to do it and see if i can do it better but it's a good concept it's not the only time that we've had possibly benevolent aliens coming here and they really are meant to do us harm which again is kind of like dr jacob suggests we got more with Mark and Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus.
Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Hi, this is Sophie Winnick, longtime distributor and user of Longevity products. In the last few years, my family went through a crisis. Everything else in my life, including my business, had to be put on the back burner. Thankfully, life is getting back to normal now. But the one thing I never had to worry about was my business and my monthly commission. I've been a distributor for Longevity for over 17 years, since before it was Longevity. And I've got to say, the most amazing thing about this company is the people. While my family was in crisis, other distributors stepped in and helped my customers simply because that's what longevity people do, even for people they don't know. For me, it has never been about getting rich. It was about a product I could stand behind, a company I could count on, and a monthly commission check that has never not once been late in 17 years. Longevity is truly a business for everyone, even people who have too much to do. I'm Sophie Winnick. I'm just like you. I have a real life, real ups and downs, but I know I will always have longevity. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline. Airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 802-341-4535. That's 802-341-4535. Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I want to let you listeners know that Mark Gober will also return for after the Paracast, our premium show, for subscribers to our Paracast Plus streaming service. Paracast Plus streaming service. Check the Paracast.plus for more info. Mark 
We're talking with you, of course, about your book, An End to Upside-Down Contact, UFOs, Aliens, and Spirits, and Why Their Ongoing Interaction with Human Civilization Matters. Now, so far when we've had these interactions, they've been among scattered groups of people, except for seeing UFOs, a lot of people do. There also seems to be a long history of UFOs, as you know. You have, a, for example, a section in your Chapter 3, UFO History and Cover-Ups, called Ancient Cases. How far back do you go? Depending on who you ask, some of the biblical stories could be considered encounters with advanced beings. So ancient mythologies are potentially examples, if you want to take them literally, that people were experiencing advanced beings. So this could be going really, really far back. But in terms of ancient artwork, for example, uh, where people are perhaps depicting what appear to be uh, flying saucers or alien beings, that can go back to 20,000 years ago. But the UFO phenomena, I think a, a lot of people would think would be separate from you know the conversations that 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 we've been you know having today you know especially those who who take the nuts and bolts extraterrestrial hypothesis in mind so i mean you know why would you think that that ufo's and uh, accompanying phenomena should also be considered in this book and and other similar books that you've written my approach with the book and into upside down contact mm-hmm. and the reason i called it an end upside down contact is that i i think there's a potential uh, recontextualization of contact that will help us think about this stuff. So I think about contact with non-human intelligences in all forms. And I break it up in the book in two ways. I say there's non-UFO-related contact and then contact that's related to UFOs. So the non-UFO contact experiences would be things like encounters in a near-death experience state where there's a being of light or in psychedelics, for example. People, when they've taken DMT, they often report encounters with all sorts of species of beings. And interestingly, it correlates with what people report in alien abductions when they're not on DMT, which stands for dimethyltryptamine. Psychic channeling is another example where people appear to be having contact. There's a whole range of phenomena, and those don't explicitly deal with UFOs. But there is another category that a lot of people talk about of actual crafts, and that's a physical structure that people either see or maybe they are on board somehow through an abduction experience. Also, another important point here for me in studying all this stuff is that the nuts and bolts aspect, the physical aspects of this, it's real, but there is a metaphysical aspect that appears to exist, that some of these experiences might not be happening in a physical way that we typically think about it, where the person's consciousness might be what's traveling and having experiences with these non-human intelligences. Throughout this book and and your other books, I mean, you cite just really excellent examples of 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 research that has been done, published, peer reviewed, yet a lot of scientists act surprised and claim that they've never even heard of this, you know, the, the this stuff. What's it going to take to convince science to really, you know, open up and try to take this different look on reality and get beyond the, you know, we're nothing more than a group of, of, of cells that just randomly happened in a random universe. I think this is a big challenge because in my own experience, for example, without having one of these major near-death experiences, it's been an intellectual journey largely. And that takes a lot of time. 
and to see example after example and be, being willing to just go into that space and setting aside time to do that, that's what I've found for me is required to have a paradigm shift or to even acknowledge that there might be something different. What I find is that not everyone wants to do that. It's much more comfortable to keep one's own paradigm. I mean, this all this stuff is extremely disorienting. I can say that from personal experience. I had to rethink everything, and I'm still in that process of questioning everything that I used to believe to be true, and that is unsettling. What's been the response from the public to your books? I mean, you know, you've got uh, a number of them now, now each one even more mentally challenging, I think, uh, uh, for for people. But, uh, I mean, you know, for me, I read this stuff, and I'm like, yeah, you know, it makes perfect sense to me. I mean, what's what's been the reaction from others? Well, Tim, I actually don't hear from all that many people. So it's hard for me to assess how people are taking it. I, I do interviews like this, and I hear from podcast hosts and some friends, and I do hear from some readers every now and then. But it's hard for me to get a general sense. And then I'll, sometimes I'll hear from someone who knows someone who read my book a few years ago and it had a big impact, but I only found out through the some the third party. Well, if you were going to kind of sum up all of the books that you have, you know, into uh, one statement, not a statement, but, uh, you know, just uh, just to say to somebody who's never heard about your books and uh, your, your reasoning, what would you say to them? Well, ultimately what these books are about is trying to understand the nature of reality. Who are we? Why are we here? We're all going about our lives and we have ups and downs that we're living through. And often we do that without even understanding the backdrop of what we're doing here. So that's what I'm aspiring to get to. And all of the books challenge the conventional answers to those very basic questions about who and what we are. And I do it by uh, not only providing logic in some cases or philosophy, but often through existing research that's out there from some very credible people but it's not mainstream. So I, I try to summarize lots of research and make it accessible to people who don't have a lot of time. Now, this will be probably the final question ahead of after the PowerCast. And that is, when you wrote your book, An End to Upside Down Contact, did anything you discovered in your research surprise you? The most surprising thing to me when I sat down to write it, because when I, before I sit down to write the book, I sort of know what the book is in my mind. I've got an outline, but I didn't realize the similarities that existed between DMT psychedelic experiences and the alien abductions. That was pretty mind-blowing to me, that you could give someone a psychedelic, and these are people, including the experimenter himself, Rick Strassman from the University of New Mexico. These were people and often who didn't know anything about alien abductions and the reports they were coming back with. Their body was in the lab and their consciousness was going to an abduction-like experience with different species of beings that there is such an overlap between that and the work of John Mack, for example, and many other abduction researchers. Hey, Mark, for those interested in following the kind of work you do and the books that you've written, where can they check you out? My website is the best place to start. It's just my name, Mark Gober, M-A-R-K-G-O-B-E-R.com. And my podcast is also a good place to start. It's an eight-episode series called Where Is My Mind? It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major players. And it explores this very fundamental question of, does the brain produce consciousness? And do you have another book, a fifth book in the offing? I have one that actually just came out, and it explores the Great Reset, which is the World Economic Forum's vision for society. And I go through what they've stated about it and provide critiques. Okay, we'll look forward to checking that one out. You can find us on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. Check out the Paracast on Facebook. 
But remember, Facebook will not allow us to put in the Paracast.com for reasons that are unknown to any normal human. But as Tim will tell you, you can also get a link to ConspiracyJournal.com. And I don't know, maybe we both are trying to provide the news that they do not want us to know. Is that right, Tim? Yes, you said that perfectly, Gene. (laughs) Thank you. Send me the check later. (laughs) <laughs> you can also check out branded merchandise for the show at the Paracast.store or the Paracast.shop. we got both domains. Choose the one you want. goes to the same place where we give you the T-shirts and the throw pillows and the caps with exclusive official Paracast logos. We also offer our streaming service, the Paracast Plus, at the Paracast.plus to sign up. We give you this show free at the network ads and the After the Paracast exclusive podcast where you never know what's going to happen next. And Mark will be back because there's a lot of stuff we want to talk to him about and we can only cover just so much. Check out the Paracast.plus, P-L-U-S, the Paracast.plus for the coupon code UFO20, UFO20. You get a five-year discount on lifetime and five-year subscriptions. 20% discount on five-year and lifetime subscriptions. Mark Cooper, thank you for joining us on The Paracast. Thank you so much, G and Tim. Really enjoyed it. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.